Now that everyone is back from the bye week, the trade chatter is going to be heating up big time as we are a month away from the most important day on the hockey calendar, especially for teams that are very eager to buy and get those extra pieces that they need for hopefully a lengthy playoff run. And today we are going to be talking about the guys that could be on the move and the suitors that could be in the mix. Episode 399, the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. And now it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And today we are going to have an early preview of what could be a very eventful trade deadline, Brad. Yeah, it's funny how you say early preview when I guess it's uh, the deadline's March 8th, I believe. So it's like two weeks away. It's yep. still enough time. And of course, we talked Oof, about. I think it's more than two weeks away at the time of this recording. So one week, two week. Yeah. Three and a half weeks. Yeah, I remember that. Like, it, you know, like. I guess maybe it feels like it's nearby because, like, of the Elias Lindholm trade that happened last week and the yeah. Monahan trade. So it's like, okay, so now, like, there are going to be some trades coming in its way. Also, I didn't know if you realize this, but the NBA had their trade deadline just this Thursday for some reason. Um, I know They and, still haven't had their All-Star game, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess because, like, usually, like, I yeah, I thought the NBA had their – because usually they have it around the same time as the NHL does because of the Super Bowl, and they figure it's like, oh, there's no football. But I th- is it next week? Is that right? I guess it's next weekend. Yeah, it, um, it's it's next week after the Super Bowl. But so. but it is kind of weird to like have your trade deadline right now. Um, in any case, because it's like there's still like maybe like 20 games left to play for the NBA too. But in any case. Uh, we're talking about the, um, I, I figured to do this trade deadline right, we're going to talk about each position, so center, although I guess we're combining the left wing and right wing and right-handed defenseman and left-handed defenseman together here, but, um, and then a goalie, of course, so, so we're going to talk about four, um, and then the top guys in each of the center, winger, defenseman and goalie position and then we'll talk about which team do we think has a good chance at them and which team are they looking for as a center or which team is looking for wingers and all that stuff um so we're gonna with the center position we did talk about this last week when we when Lindholm and um Sean Monaghan were uh both gone um and out of this this deadline and now uh the next best center is kind of technically a center um but um but which is just goes to show you about how many centers are left here but um adam henrique is the guy we're talking about um he has 35 points in 50 games which isn't too bad for the anaheim ducks of course um he does have a 53.6 uh face-off percentage um and he is going to be a free agent next year of course the Ducks do have Mason McTavish, Trevor Zegras, and uh, Leo Carlson in their system, uh, all who are centers. 
So it's not necessarily that the the ducks need course he's good for um, you know the the veteran presence, but he can definitely help out a team uh, making it into the playoffs. Especially I don't I was just looking this up. Did you know that Adam Henrique has only been in the playoffs twice in his uh, career? Isn't that crazy? I mean, to be fair, one of those was a run to the finals for New Jersey. Yeah, I know. I think that's probably why I thought he was in more, because I do remember that 2011-2012 playoff run that the Devils had, um, where he had 13 points yep. in 24 games. And I th- that was when he was a 21-year-old, so there, there's that. But, yeah, yeah. he hasn't uh, – he was um, in the playoffs again um, in the 2017-2018 season for Anaheim. Or he played four games, so I guess they got swept there. But um, but yeah, I thought yeah, like they did. I thought like he played more, or I thought the Devils team was in more playoffs, but I guess not. Um, but in any case, I only bring that up because that like even though he was phenomenal in that playoff run, GMs remember that. I remember that. <laughs> so like that's something that's well, sticks. two serious winners, yeah. uh, both in OT. Right, right. So I feel like that, like, even though, yeah, like, he's not as good as he once was, he's still, like, you know, he provides that veteran leadership. He could be a decent bottom pair guy, which in the playoffs, that's what you need, is you need depth forwards. You need a strong third and fourth line and that can score and produce. And I believe that Adam Henry can be that guy for a lot of teams. Um, so... Um, I kind of been conflicted about this because like, I was thinking like the Bruins are the obvious team that I feel like would, um, would want a a guy like Adam Henrique on their team. However, because he's like 30, I think 34 years old right now. Um, also, uh, Sweeney and the Ducks, uh, tend to make a trade every single year. Um, like there was Hampus Lindkashai. Um, there's, oh, with Nick Ritchie. Um, so there, there's been a few of the Bruins ducks trades where I'm like thinking like, okay, Sweeney's going to go back to the ducks well again, but I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Um, in terms of other teams that I could see make a, a move for Henrik or could use another center. Oh, and I, I should also mention for the Bruins, um, there's, um, there's a uh, you know the fact that like Charlie Coyle has been a re- revelation. Like I thought he would be a decent guy when Patrice Bergeron left and Krejci left. I like I assumed there was going to be a big hole that the Bruins couldn't really fill. Um, and Charlie Coyle has always been that third line center. I never expect him to be like what he he's he's become right now. Um, and you know it's it's a good thing. But of course you want another center on your team. So. That's kind of what gives me pause is if ideally you want, I would, if I'm, well, I am a Bruins fan, but if I'm Don Sweeney, I would rather have a center that's going to help me out uh, long term if I'm going to get a center. I would see him being having some pause to it where it's like, oh, where we might not go for it necessarily because he's he's older, um, and but you might not, I guess, there's nothing to say that you can, you know, he might just be a rental and that's totally okay. Um, other teams that I see can have a center uh, are Carolina. Um, I, I like, they pretty much just have Sebastian Ajo um, as a center, but 
maybe like you know their second line center sometimes is Jack Drury, um, which he's been okay, but uh, that's I don't I feel like that. Um, Colorado I could see as well, um, mm-hmm. just because the Ryan Johansson experiment hasn't worked. Um, so so maybe they go out and get Adam Henrique. Um, it does seem like Adam Henrique is uh, like a Colorado Avalanche. Like I could actually envision him in that jersey for some reason. Um, and the last team that I'll throw out before I give it back to you is the New York Rangers, um, because of the fact that Philip Hedl is out. I do. Th- I mean, they do have Mika Zibanejad and um, and uh, uh, Vincent Trocheck, but I I do think that there are that feels like oh well if we're talking about like. The, a guy who can be your third line center or just even like a winger on your team. I, I feel like the Rangers um, could use either a winger or a center because uh, Henry can doesn't have to be a center. I guess that, that's all the other point too. But um, but if you're, I feel like you could, the Rangers could use him. Yeah, I agree with all those landing spots, to be perfectly honest. And that's not just because I'm a homer. I actually agree with those. Um, to me, I think he's got Boston Bruins written all over him. Okay. Um, mostly because I feel like the Boston Bruins, um, just to call it a gut feeling, um, they probably wanted Elias Lindholm a lot. And now that he's not available and they can't get even, they can't even get Sean Monahan because he's also gone, Mm-hmm. Um, automatically the ideal choice for like a third line center, uh, which I would think is probably what Henrik would, would be playing. Um, I, I think he probably suits the team. Well, obviously the cap gymnastics is going to be something that has to be worked out. But if you're the Boston Bruins and you just realize, Oh, another good season, this for real might be the last time we get to do this. Why not see how far we can take this and just add a guy that, you know, once upon a time uh, had a massive playoffs. And he, and like, you look at the Boston Bruins, they have been able to get solid playoff performances from guys like Charlie Coyle. They can do that with a guy like Adam Henrique, who just looking at NHL faceoff numbers for a guy who isn't really a natural center at the moment He's averaging 17-17 uh, per game this year. He's taken 752 draws. That's 32nd in the entire NHL. And as a whole, overall, in all situations, Adam Henrique in the faceoff dot is 53.6% in terms of winning draws. Uh, those are pretty good numbers. And those are numbers, if you're the Boston Bruins, you're definitely taking. Um, you also take his 15 goals, which when you consider the team that he plays on is pretty impressive. 35 points in 50 games on a bad Ducks team is also impressive. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm sure Boston is not on his no trade list, so he's happy to go to Boston as well. Um, but his shooting percentage is also promising because he hasn't even hit the 100 shot mark this year. He scored those 15 goals on just 95 shots. So he's a pretty effective shooter as well. He's a guy that can also play on uh, the left side of the wing, which looking at Boston's options there, Brad Marchand is your top line choice for left winger. Then you have JVR on the second line. Yak, uh, 
Jacob Blauko on the third line yeah. and Danton Heinen on the fourth. If he doesn't work out at center, you can always move him to the left side and maybe strengthen your uh, positioning uh, on the left side of uh, the wing there. And just taking a look at uh, what uh, Boston guys have been able to do in the faceoff dot uh, this year, you have Charlie Coyle leading the way with 932 faceoffs. He's at 51.2%. Zaka has taken 637 draws. He's at 53.1%. Fairly impressive, I'd say. Then you have John Beecher. Remember him, a late first-round pick with 386 face-offs. Uh, he has won almost 54% of them. He's at 53.9 uh... at the moment of the uh, You have Morgan Geeky with 375 draws. He's won only 44% of them. That's not terrific. Yeah. And then the rookie, Matthew Poitras, uh, with 254 face-offs. He's also below 45%. He's at 43.7. And, uh, and I should mention uh, also uh, Trent Frederick has, has done all right, but uh, I wouldn't say he's, you know, he, uh, I wouldn't say he's a reliable option I, of winning draws at, at this point in his career. I had uh, two points there. I, Matty Patra is actually, he's, he's getting surgery, so he's out indefinitely. And it seems like. Well, he'll be okay. Back. Well, yeah. all the more incentive, like, right? Yeah. Also, I think at this point I would consider Frederick more of a left winger than a center. Um, yeah, but, agreed. Uh, so, so it's like when you were listing all the left wingers, I was like, "You're." I was just waiting for you to say Trent Frederick, and I was like, "Oh, I guess you <laughs> you consider him a center." Okay, but I just it should to also be that. noted that Jesper Brokvist is listed yep. as the fourth line center at the moment of this recording yep. on Daily Faceoff. He has taken a total of 50 draws in 17 games. Yeah, yeah. And only won 42% of those draws. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think the Bruins are... Um, I mean, obviously, I feel like it's hard to say this without be sounding like a homer. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think the Bruins could use um, could use a, a, a guy like Adam Henrique. I guess it's more of, like... What if like if this is like a sign and trade? I'd be a little bit more skeptical of it just because of the fact that Adam Henrique is thirty four years old, and I'm like I don't know if I necessarily would want him for another season. If it's just a rental, then yes, I agree with you. I think this makes the most sense. Also, just looking at all the trade targets, all the things that are out here, it's like there's not another center that's out there that's available right now. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's really Adam Henrique and that's it. Um, okay. And that's why, yeah. and that's why Pat Verbeek uh, is going to have a lot of leverage in yeah, this situation, because if it's not the Bruins making a deal, yeah. it's going to be another team in desperate need of center depth. Yeah, that's fair. I guess just the factor of like, if, yeah, I guess that does raise his trade value. But then the other thing that I'm sure teams are considering is the fact that he is 34 years old, so it's not like they're going to, mm -hmm. like, sign him right away um, if, if they do trade him, and that could lower his value uh, for sure. I think he'll be a rental either yep. way, especially right. when you consider that Elias Lindholm is on the open market, and I'm sure a lot right. of those same teams interested in Henrique. Yep. If, they're, if, uh, if they have the uh, potential to sign Elias Lindholm yep. on the open market, they're yep. definitely going to take uh, their shot there and see yep. if they can try uh, to get him. Yeah. Uh, and taking a look at Adam Henrique's games play numbers, because that uh, what has been a concern for Henrique in the past has been his injury history um, uh, in his uh, split yep. season with the Ducks and the Devils. He played 
a total of 81 games and then 82 in his uh, first full season with the Ducks. Um, he played quite a bit in the um, in the season that was cut short due to COVID. He played 71 games, so I would consider mm. that a full season. Um, but in 2021-22, um, he played 58 games. Last year, he played in 62. Um, so in terms of uh, recency bias, um, his health hasn't been the best. Wait, wasn't um, that... Even though he's had a good season this year. The 2021-22 season, wasn't that the bubble year where they played... No, that was the year before. Oh, that was the year before. Okay. Year before, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. Then and even, even then, though, 42 points in 58 games yeah. is still pretty good production. That's true. That's fair. Um, all right, we go on. Oh, is there any other teams that I didn't mention that you feel like are in the lookout for centers? Just looking at teams that make sense for Henrique and teams that I think would be probably willing to make that bold of a move, uh, none that crossed my mind, to okay. be honest. The only... Um, the only other one that I, 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 I you could make it maybe maybe make an argument that the Devils might do something, yeah. but I think their main problem is in net, not yeah. anywhere else on the roster. Plus, it's like Nico and Jack Hughes. It's hard to think that. Yeah, they would, exactly. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, maybe maybe Adam Henry does want to go back to the Devils now that they're they're refurbished and uh, they are no longer in a rebuild. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe that. The other team that I was thinking as you were talking, it was like, oh, I should have mentioned the Florida Panthers. I think the Florida Panthers could use another center. Um, it's not that, like, obviously they have Barkov, um, but I feel like Anton Lundell just isn't ready yet um, and hasn't mm -hmm. been as good. Um, and they're missing Vincent Trocek as well. So I, I think I think they could be on the lookout. Or it wouldn't shock me if the Panthers go out and get out of Henry. Um, yeah, they don't even have any injuries, too, and their yeah. fourth-line option is Kevin Stenland down the right, middle, right. too. So it's basically Barkov and then Bennett, and then you're relying on Lundell to hopefully pick things up. So, yeah, yeah especially when you consider that the East is, like, really up for grabs yep. right now, you know, with a, with a couple of uh, trade acquisitions, the Florida Panthers can definitely put themselves in a very good position yep. to contend for the Stanley Cup yet again if they acquire a guy of Adam Henry's ilk. So it'll be interesting yep. to see if they have the balls to do it or not. Yep, yep. All right, so we move on to wingers. And there's a lot of wingers that I we could have cho chosen. However, mm -hmm. I think the one that is, like, the most intriguing, um, although it, I guess it, it's very possible that he doesn't end up getting traded. Um, Which is part of the intrigue, yeah, to be honest. That's true. Is uh, this guy named Jake Gensel. Um yeah. I'm looking here on Hockey Reference, and uh, sometimes they do, like, nicknames for their players. I get <laughs> So they have three nicknames for him. Yeah. Gens, Gensi, and so that makes sense because, you know, that's a play on his last name. But this one, yeah. I don't think anyone has ever called him that. Uh, Jake and Bake, that's his na that's a nickname of his. It's like... That's a play on his first name. And also, like, couldn't you say that, like, about any Jake ever? Like, Jake DeBrosque? Like, even, like, Jake the Snake, maybe? Jake the Snake yeah. pencil, that could work. But anyways. That one is probably the most overused nickname yeah. that involves the name Jake, if yeah. I'm being honest. Fair, fair. Jake so, Jake and Big, I guess, is at least a little bit more creative. But 
I feel like no one's there's uh there's this uh online streamer that's named Jake and Bake uh and is um he, he's got a channel called Jake and Bake Live. So uh, I don't even know if Jake Ensel's even the most popular Jake and Bake on the planet. That's funny. Um in any case, um also I didn't realize this, but he actually grew up in Nebraska. Um I feel like there's not a lot yeah. of hockey players who grew up in nebraska he's definitely the best that's nebraska. the one thing i remember about gensel when he was first coming up is when yeah. i looked at where his hometown was i'm just yeah. like really nebraska yeah uh so uh so there's uh so he has 51 points in 49 games which is kind of crazy uh considering the penguins aren't really in a playoff mood but they might they might want to make a playoff push so um, so that's, that's where it becomes a little bit of an intrigue where it's like, yeah, it makes sense because for the ducks to trade Adam Henrique and we're about to talk about the flames with Hannafin. Um, but, um, and like the other, uh, oh, and, uh, Merzulkins and Columbus, like those guys, those teams are bad. Um, I just spoiled <laughs> the other two guys we're about to talk about, but <laughs> in any case, but like the pit, the penguins, there's a chance, a decent chance that I could see like Kyle Dubas being like, uh, like, well, we got Eric Carlson over the off season. Um, we do have Sidney Crosby. We do have, uh, Evgeny Malkin. Of course you have Jake Gensel and, you know, Ricard Raquel's back. Ryan Rust is back. They've been good. Tristan Jari has actually been unbelievable. So there is a chance that I could see, uh, Kyle Dubas going like, you know what? Like, I think we could make the playoffs this year. And so it's it's very possible that Jake stays in State Farm, I mean, in, 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 in Pittsburgh uh, for this year. However, there's also an equal chance they're, they're not in the playoffs in the moment. If the season ended today, they would not be in the playoffs. And if Jake, and he's 29 years old, um, of course, he's very, very good. Um, 51 points in 49 games. If the Penguins do decide to rebuild, you could get a ton for Jake Gensel. Um, mm -hmm. And, I mean, I guess you could make a case where it's like, yeah, if they're in a rebuild, like, you could build your team around Jake Gensel. Um, but, but at the same time, it's like, um, you know, and, and Crosby and Malkin can kind of, like, give give Gensel the keys, so to speak. Um, and he can like, you know, and if once Crosby, uh, it, we don't talk about how good of a season Crosby is having on a team that's terrible right now. And the fact that like he's over a point per game as a 35 year old, it's insane. It's insanity. Um, so it's like, you could technically like build a team around Jake Gensel um, so that's where it's like, okay, maybe they decide to keep him. And like, I could see it going a ton of ways here where the penguins are either they trade him because they realize that like, okay, they need to rebuild this team. Um, and Jake Gensel, they're not going to sign him long-term. I could also see them signing him long-term, um, because they can build like, cause they have to start thinking about life after Crosby and Malkin. Um, or I could see them just like trying to make this playoff push, getting maybe a few other assets out there um, on the market and and trying to like seriously contend 
I mean, Pittsburgh, as we were just talking about, like, yeah, the 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 East is wide open. Um, there's very few, like, even like the Bruins, the Rangers, the top teams in the Eastern Conference, they have serious flaws on their team. So it's like, it wouldn't like shock me if the Penguins just go out and get a run, make a run, but they would have to make a few moves before that happens. Um, so, so yeah, I, I guess I'm just <laughs> doling out literally the three decisions, the three things that would have would happen where they sign them long term, they keep them, and they don't sign them, or they just just um, they trade them. Um, I I would venture that they keep them, but it is an interesting discussion to have. I feel like I know what you're gonna say. Um, because it feels like you have like a vendetta against the Penguins for whatever reason. But I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What would you do with Jake Ensel if you're Kyle Dubas? The Pittsburgh Penguins are the San Jose Sharks before they got bad. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguins have a lot of talented players. There's no denying that. The San Jose Sharks a few years ago decided to keep Thomas Hurdle and sign him long-term to a pretty rich contract anticipating that after they did that things would look up again and they would get better that didn't happen and look where they are now they have thomas hurdle who's still producing mind you but he's on a pretty rich contract that hasn't officially reached the halfway point at the time of this recording and what are you really gonna do with that contract now like not too many teams are going to be willing to take on that contract in its present form. It's probably going to be a couple of years before anyone's willing to touch that contract just because of the price tag attached to it. Yep. So if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you have to make a decision now. If you think you're going to get out of this position and you're willing to go all in, then maybe you take the risk and you bet on Jake Ensel and you extend him. But at the same time, if your values and Jake Ensel's values in terms of where you want to take your career, if they don't line up, also you have to trade him because Jake Ensel probably wants to still win cups. He's entering the prime of his career, if not, uh, or worst case scenario, he's already in his prime today. And I just don't see the Penguins in this state going on a deep playoff run. Even if they make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. I just don't know if they're built to go on a deep run. I said it when they made the Eric Carlson trade. Just because there are so many gaps that they have to fill, and there's such a big crowd that is in their way. And you look at teams like Boston, teams like Carolina, teams like Colorado, teams like Edmonton, maybe Florida and the Rangers that could use uh, some good left-wing depth. And the other thing to note about Jake Ensel, he is a primary left-winger, but he can also play on the right side. Mm -hmm. But for the most part in Pittsburgh, he's being utilized on the left side. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about Tampa, Toronto, or Vegas because the dollars are just impossible to work out, so I'm I'm not even going to bother exploring that. But yeah, those six teams I mentioned, Bruins, Hurricanes, Avalanche, Edmonton, maybe Panthers, Rangers. That's probably what you're looking at in terms of logical landing spots for Jake Gensel. The team that I think is probably going to make a strong push for him is, and they do have to make the money work, 
and it won't be easy to complete this trade, but the Edmonton Oilers. Yep. If you look at the Western Conference and the teams in front of them, if you put a guy like Jake Ensel that can keep up with some of mm -hmm. the fastest skaters on the Penguins, who has been Sidney Crosby's line mate, you put him on the line with McDavid or Dreisaitl, and you watch the Oilers' offense take off. You watch their power play. He is going to be scoring goals in bunches in no time at all. And he's been one of the league's most consistent goal scorers since his yep. time with the Pittsburgh Penguins began. And he's a guy that has won a Stanley Cup. He's a guy that's been surrounded by veteran leadership, kind of has an idea of what it takes to be a pro, what it takes to win in this league, which is something that Edmonton's still trying to figure out. Um, you look at the Edmonton Oilers and, you know, they'll happily part with a first-round pick if it's to get a guy like Jake Ensel. Philip Roberg has uh, supposedly uh, requested a change of scenery, uh, I think about a month or so ago, yep. and he's playing pretty well in the AHL right now. So if I'm Kyle Dubas and I'm thinking of like adding young pieces, Philip Broberg is probably one of those guys I'd be happy to include in a trade package, even if it's for a rental Jake Gensel. Uh, even if it's just for a rental, the Edmonton Oilers have a prime opportunity to strike and really go for it in this short-term window where they have McDavid and Drysdale on their current contracts and they have to pay them. So I see this as a win-now move for a win-now team. And uh, I definitely think the Edmonton Oilers are going to be right at the front of the line trying to get this guy if he indeed gets best. I just don't know if they can afford to keep him beyond this year. Yeah. Um, a lot of this is going to depend on if the team wants to keep him long term i feel like if the yeah. like because you if i'm the penguins and I, i'm thinking about trading him i want to get the best deal i can ever make because you can only trade jake gensel once you're only gonna have him once um mm -hmm. to, to your point about thomas Sertel, i think like I, I get what you mean however i think there is a benefit to keeping a guy like that um on your team because they can help because if your team is going to go on a rebuild he can help your your young guys get acclimated and it's not like your team is going to like fully like you know like you don't want like yeah i, I guess hurdle like they the, the reason why hurdles in that situation is because guys like pavelski left thornton retired um, Marlo mm -hmm. retired. Um, they traded Timo Meyer, Eric Carlson. Got the veterans traded. regressed as well. Yeah. So, so like that's all that. Whereas for the Penguins, it's like they still have Latang, they still have Crosby, they still have Malkin, they still have uh, Eric Carlson. So, and even like Tristan Jari, he's been decent too. So it's like they're not gonna be like so bad where they're the Columbus Blue Jackets or the, um, the you know the even the San Jose Sharks or the Chicago Blackhawks, where it's like all of a sudden they're going to to suck. Because Sidney Crosby, as I mentioned, he's like incredible. He's having the one of the best seasons of his career. Um, and it's, it's probably going to the waste because they're not making the playoffs. Probably. I was just looking here at the playoff race right now. Uh, the Penguins have 53 points. Uh, the the Detroit Red Wings, who have the last wild card spot, they have 60 points. However, 
the Penguins have 40 have played 49 games and the rest of the teams have either played in or the the teams that are ahead of them have either played 51 games 52 games or 50 games so uh, so they have a few games in hand. I mean, obviously you have to win those games, and eventually it will all even out. But um, but at the moment they have they're like seven points out of the wild card. Um, so it's I, 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 I guess I could see a path. I feel like you can never count out the Penguins um, when they have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, especially with Crosby the way that he's been playing right now. Um, so I would venture that they're going to keep him um, and they're going to pull a Thomas Hurdle type thing where they're going to sign him long term. Um, but I feel like if you're going to trade Jake Gensel, the team that's going to take him is going to be a team that wants to keep him long term. Yes, it would make sense to the for the Edmonton Oilers to have him. I agree with you. I could see that scenario playing out. The Oilers are instantly the best team in the league once they have uh, Jake Gensel because we know that he's capable of playing with McDavid uh, because he's capable of playing with Sidney Crosby. Um, but the team that I would think that he's he would go to, and granted, I don't think he's getting traded, but if if he is going to get traded and like he, he's telling Dubas, like, I'm not going to sign here long term, that's the only way I feel like they're going to move him so if that's going to happen I feel like the team that's going to get him or that would desperately want him is the Seattle Kraken um <laughs> and yes the Seattle Kraken are also in a similar state to the Pittsburgh Penguins they're um they're a few they're uh, let's see here they're six games out of the playoffs right now their they upside don't... is so much better though like yeah. moving forward yeah and, and i see what you mean like yeah. their left their best left wing option right now is thomas tatar right right and um and it's it's kind of a like a reminiscent move of what vegas did when they got mark stone when they got jack eichel when they got max petrietti even um it's like you know like you just make these trades when it's like yeah we're probably not gonna make the playoffs and if we do we're probably gonna get out in the first round but we're building pieces and we're building things so that once we're ready, once Shane Wright becomes who they think he is going mm -hmm. to be, once Matty Beneers gets out of this yeah. sophomore slump that he's been having, whatever that's happening, they have Jagger Ferkus in the system, who's mm -hmm. going to be pretty good. They have um, Ty Nelson, who's going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, Riker Evans. Um, they have a few. Tucker Robertson. Tucker Robertson, yeah. So they have um, Edward Saleh, um, who they drafted last year. So, like, they have a few pieces that once they're developed and ready, they're going to be pretty good. And they're going to want a guy like Jake Gensel on their system. So it's a bit like, um, it would be like a bit like a Artemi Panarin situation uh, when the Rangers got him. It's like at the time when the Rangers signed him, the Rangers were not good. and But they, were, they signed him to a long-term contract because they expected him to be a cornerstone piece once they do get good. And it worked out for them. Um, and this is what they're envisioning, basically, where it's like, oh, yeah, Shesterkin wasn't Shesterkin at the time. Um, but mm -hmm. they got Panarin before before that happened so that they kind of can lock him up. So the Seattle Kraken is where I think they would go. And if, like, if, 
and even when the pe- if like let's say the Penguins decide not to trade him and they let Jake Ensel walk, I I think Seattle would be the perfect place situation for him. Uh, the other uh, the other place that I was thinking would go, it's kind of a similar situation, would be the Minnesota Wild. I could see mm. them. Um, also, um, so I'm I'm just thinking of teams that would make sense from like a like a future standpoint because I I just don't like. Jake Gensel, if he does get moved, he's just too good to be a rental, I feel like. Um, so I'm just thinking of teams that wouldn't, like, don't necessarily need him to be a rental, but uh, could, you know, could use him um, in the future. Um, so th- so there's that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think those are the bad terms. Um, in terms of other wingers that are out there that would, that do seem likely to be traded, it's, of course, there's a few of them. Uh, Vlad Tarasenko, Anthony Duclair is kind of an underrated choice, uh, so yeah. so that could be another one. Um, I'm seeing Dominic, uh, Anthony Mantha could be had. Uh, Capo Caco, speaking of the Rangers, uh, he has requested a trade. Yep. Uh, Arthur Kaliev, who we talked about with the Kings, I feel like he needs a change of scenery. So there's a few guys who like you know who might be available. Um, or just need a change of scene. Also, it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, Scott Lawton and Travis Konechny, while I yep. don't think they're oh, um, no. I don't... immediate threats to be moved, it'll be interesting to see how the Flyers approach that, too. Yeah, the Flyers are an interesting team because I don't think they expect it to be good this year. Um, yeah. But, but because they're still in a playoff spot and they are winning games, I do think that they might make some moves. I was actually thinking, like, oh, what if Jake Gensel goes to the Flyers? And then I realized, like, okay, that's not going <laughs> to happen. Um, that would be like the Bruins and the Habs making a trade. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, I, I, I guess that's not going to happen. But um, but that would be a funny landing spot for Jake Gensel if he's, like, really... I think Jake Gensel, the perfect rental spot is probably Colorado. Yeah. Just the reason yeah, I, I was thinking I'm hesitant on the extension part is because you have yeah. Landis hasn't played in two years oh, yeah, yeah, and you point. assume at some point he's probably going to come back. There is one team that fits long-term and short-term for Jake Gensel. Now I think about it, Florida Panthers mm. reason being, if you look at their roster right now, and we're going to talk about Sam Reinhardt, uh, Sam Reinhardt in the rapid fire, yeah. um, he is having one heck of a season, but he is a pending free agent. You don't have to resign him. Also your second best option on the left wing right now, while he has been effective uh, in some ways more so on the agitation front, Nick cousins. Um, I'm no expert, but Jake and Jake Ensel is better at scoring goals than Nick cousins is. Yeah. I don't know if Florida makes the most sense for him because I feel like they would need like, uh, like I think they would be looking more for centers than wingers. Of course, they would take happily take Jake Ensel, but because of the fact that Sam Reinhardt, yeah, having, that could be a free agency yeah. boy, maybe yeah. if if they if decide falls, to not yeah. be Reinhardt. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, also, the fact that um, they do have Matthew Kachuk, <laughs> so um, they have a the luxury there. Yeah. Um, so True. it's like, uh, yeah, I could see that. The only other team before we move on. Buffalo Sabres, I could see them as if they're doing a long-term thing as well. That would be kind of interesting. Of course, like, I feel like the cap situation would have to be worked out, but 
Um, but I'm sure, like, you know, teams could retain some some cap if they need to for this year. Um, I've heard of Casey Middlestad's name. Yep. I Middlestad's don't really buy that he is a likely candidate to get moved, but it's uh, interesting that they're talking about him. I think Middlestad, he's I can see. Uh, a pending RFA after this year. Middlestead, I could see because of the fact that, well, first off, I like I, I feel like I'm like attuned to this because I do have him in one of my leagues. Um, but I think the fact that they do have <laughs> Tage Thompson, they have Dylan Cousins now, uh, Gary Kulik in the system, I could see them moving Casey Middlestead because it's like, like Middlestead's not better than Dylan Cousins. He's not better than Tage Thompson. If you're gonna make a big move, I feel like Casey Middlestead, you know, could be a, an interesting piece for some teams. Um, so I could see yep. a move. Hundred percent. Um, I just like just because of the fact that like, oh, okay, they can plan their their team around those like Tage and um, Cousins, and then you can also plan it if if Kulik, um, which he probably will be a decent pro. Um, you know, you have, have Kulik, at least, in the system. Um, okay, we're going to move on here. Uh, now we go to defensemen here. Uh, Noah Hannafin is the, the guy that we were thinking um, makes the most sense. He's the most intriguing guy uh, to be moved. He's, um, he's a free agent next year. Uh, we talked about this last week, I think. Um, when we were talking about the Flames, but, like, he supposedly turned down a contract that would have made him, like, $7 million per year um, for long-term things. Reportedly, of course, this is all speculation, so who knows if this is actually true. Um, but, yeah, in any case, um, if he is getting moved, um, it seems like he's not going to be signed long-term, whatever happened there, but it seems like they're going to trade him pretty soon. Um, this season... Uh, Having a terrible season as well. He has 29 points in 52 games. Um, he's, he's also, like, not bad um, in the the blocking department. Uh, he has 77 blocks in 52 games. Um, he also has 40 hits. Um, he I remember in that 2015 season, I remember because I was watching specifically for Jack Eichel, but I remember watching the Beanpot. Uh, I know this is like a few years ago, uh, this back in 2015, but I do remember watching that bean pot where it was BU and BC, and I remember Noah Hannafin standing out more than Jack Eichel was standing out, and I was like, okay, Noah Hannafin is actually going to be pretty good, and there was like rumors because of the Bruins, um, or that's why they made all those moves in 2015 because they wanted to entice, uh, I think it was Calgary or Carolina at the time to uh to take those three picks that the Bruins had acquired so that they could draft Noah Hannafin but it fell through because Brian Burke was like I know what you're doing because you tricked me with Phil Kessel and um and he didn't want that to happen again or something like that but I'm pushing of course but I I think that that seemed to be the case in any case um Noah Hannafin, he he's actually a, like a pretty underrated defenseman. I feel like he he could be a good defenseman for a lot of teams to to target um, this this um you know this time around. He's going to be pretty. Um, and the other part to it is is that yes, uh, Chris Tanev is available. Nixon from Philadelphia, he has a pretty good contract. Um, is available as well. Jacob Chikrin. 
uh, could be probably be had maybe, but um, the only like yeah, Chikrin I guess I could see maybe just but the fact that Chikrin's gonna be a free agent following year, it's a little bit less intriguing where it seems almost de definite that Noah Hannafin's gonna get traded pretty soon, um, in this in this uh, uh, standpoint, um, so. I think in terms, like, obviously a lot of teams um, who are making the playoffs, they're going to want good defensemen. Um, I feel like he's going to go, uh, I I could see him going to, uh, I was going to say Carolina, but, like, I just remember that he used to be in Carolina, but assuming. you saying you don't believe in reunions. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I, I guess maybe there there was. I mean, it it is funny in hindsight that trade because it was like Dougie Han Hamilton and Adam Fox for Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. So, um, and like and of those four, it turns out that Noah Hannafin was the worst of those those four being traded. But like, um, it was like no one knew that at the time because like Hannafin was a you know you he, he was a highly regarded prospect at the time he had played a couple of seasons at that point but um but yeah I, I feel like Carolina I guess I could see him making that move there because it's not like Tony D'Angelo has made a huge impact yet for Carolina but I think that's the one that stands Pesci out the most and Shea me. are also on uh, expiring contracts yeah, by the way that's that's true too the only other and one Pesci hasn't really been that great for Carolina yeah. he's also been injured lately and because I mentioned Dougie Hamilton I feel like that the Devils could also be a good landing spot for Noah Hannafin too. Also, the fact that the Devils do have like a few defensemen in their system that they could that could be enticing for Calgary. Like I don't think Simon Nemich is getting traded, but maybe. Um, but they do have Seamus Casey, um, and they do have um, Luke Hughes. But I don't think Luke Hughes will be traded. Maybe I could see Simon Nemich, but yeah, maybe he goes to the Devils, but it would have to be like a bigger move. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think those are the two teams that I think make the most sense. Yeah, New Jersey and Carolina, I can definitely see that as uh, the, the main landing spots for him. Looking at Carolina, though, there is one thing, and... <laughs> It, this probably makes more of a difference than anything is what shot is he is he left mm -hmm. or is he right because um right-handed shots are this rare commodity where teams go oh my god he shoots right yep. let's go he sh he's a right-handed shot on the blue line we need that yeah, and right. i see what they mean because you look at the best defensemen uh, on paper that carolina has dimitri orlov Jakob Slavin and Brent Burns. Orlov, left-handed shot. Slavin, left-handed shot. Brent Burns, right-handed shot. And you look at so the right side of their blue line, Pesci and D'Angelo are on it. So is Jalen Chatfield. I would say it's probably the weaker side. If you look, for example, say my Ottawa Senators, again, it's the same problem. Their left side is stacked, but their right side is lacking in some areas. And Noah Hannafin shoots left. So you right. basically, where are you going to put him uh, in between Orlov and Slavin on on yep. the back end? That's are fair. you going to make him play on his offside to kind of like counter that? 
so that's that's the only negative uh, with the Hurricanes that I see. Um, and I think they could make the salary work if they took on his cap it. But when you look at uh, the Devils blue line and how it's structured, um, they have John Marino as a right-handed shot. They have Colin Miller as a right-handed shot. Luke Hughes has played uh, both sides. Um, but uh, according to his profile, he also shoots left. So the same side as Hannafin. Mm-hmm. Simon Nemich is a right-handed shot, which I think, you know, a team like Calgary could use because Tanev is a right-handed shot. He's probably getting moved as well. So they're going to need a right-handed shot of some ilk. And they also have, uh, uh, the Devils also have Nick DeSimone uh, as a a right-handed shot. So for the left-handed options for New Jersey, uh, you have Kevin Ball, Luke Hughes, who's a natural left-handed shot. Uh, Santeri Hataka, I probably butchered that. Uh, and then you also have Dougie Hamilton on LTIR. He's a right-handed yep. shot. Jonas Siegenthaler on IR is a left-handed shot. And Brendan Smith can play uh, both sides of uh, of um, of the blue line. But he also has played left wing before. So you guessed it, he shoots left too. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I, I definitely think it would still be an upgrade for the Devils if they ended up getting Hannafin on the blue line. So if you had to pick out of those two, just in terms of lineup fit, probably it's easier to fit Hannafin on the Devils. Plus yeah. the Devils have prospects that are more appealing to the Calgary Flames for the long term anyways. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think that's also because Dougie Hamilton, I think he's out indefinitely, um, or it seems like he's not going to be ready until... Um, like March at the very least. Um, so, um, I mean, I, as we were mentioned uh, and we alluded to, it's like their biggest issue is goaltender, but you have a guy like Noah Hannafin who can also play defense too. Um, it's not a, it's not going to be a bad move for the Devils to make this move as well for their playoff push. Um, it's, it should also be noted that um, Cal Foot is a right-handed defenseman and he'll be away for yep. uh, quite a while for reasons that we yeah. all know. Yeah. Um, kind of fighting uh, some serious charges. Yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's other two that I um, that I kind of, now that I'm looking here, um, that stand out as well. Philadelphia, maybe. Um, I know that they got Jamie Drysdale. Cam York has been okay. But, yeah, if they can add someone like Noah Hannafin to their t- team, then it's like if they decide to go for it this year, um, that could be the Flyers are such an interesting experiment, yep. aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> you and really, then, you really think they're going in the seller direction, then they yep. have a good year. It's just like, hey, yep. maybe we can get a guy like Noah Hannafin. Yep, yep. Um, and if Cal, I mean, it hasn't stopped Calgary before because of what they did uh, last week. Uh, but if they wanted to trade in division, um, maybe the Los Angeles Kings. Um, I know that they have a few. A defenseman in yeah. their system but um they could use him also vegas golden knights that's another team that's in division um it seems like shea theodore might not be ready um full time so that's another option for them as well although of course vegas doesn't really have the prospect pool like the devils or even the kings do so yeah also um, monetary question marks that's, always follow vegas they're basically true. the western conference Tampa but Bay Lightning. i feel like they could reach like I feel like in the deadline phase, like they could just retain a lot of contracts and it's not a ton of a huge deal or 
maybe they trade back someone of similar value back. Um, I don't know who that would be, but um, but uh, that's also another idea there too. But I don't know what Calgary would... is also looking for is guys that want to be Calgary Flames. So True. if you've got even the slightest hesitation, I'm not sure how Craig Connery is going to feel about that. Fair, fair. Um, and then, but yeah, it it I, I it feels unlikely just because they're in the same division though. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, in terms of other defensemen. There is Chris Tanev, um, who's also plays for Calgary. He's more of a defensive defenseman. He's not as sexy as Noah Hannafin in that way. Um, it feels like shutdown defensemen, like they always get treated during this deadline, but they hardly get talked about in general from the media or people like us. Because a good shutdown defenseman is someone who, if you don't hear his name, he's doing a good job. Um, so it could be a good Dallas pickup, yep, honestly. Dallas, there, Sean Walker. I'm seeing here. I feel like that would just depend on what Philly decides to do. Um, Nick Sealers, that's the same thing for Philly as well. It just depends on what they decide to do. You mentioned Philip Roberg. Um, we'll see. Maybe he gets there. Adam Balkfist, I'm seeing here. That could be an interesting move because he had some draft pedigree going on. He seems to always get injured too, but um, I could it would be kind of interesting to see Adam Bokefist get moved. Of course, he's an RFA though in twenty twenty six, so that might um, hinge on them. And it's also it's not like Columbus needs to be good right away, but at the same time, like the Blue Jackets do have a plethora of defensemen in their system, so. Uh, they David Juracek yep. as well. I'm also True. interested to see what happens there, how right. fast they're willing to accommodate his yeah. demands. So so I could – and Adam – Andrew Peak is another one that they've been kind of going uh, – trying to see if they can make a move there as well. So we'll see. Um, okay, now we get to talk about goalies. Um, they're – like they're – we could talk about uh, Markstrom, although we <laughs> were just all great flame just now. But um, but I and also Jake Allen, although I'm not sure necessarily how valuable he would be. Um, I mean, I guess it's not his fault that Montreal is, isn't good, but um, but I don't know how much of a draw he's he's gonna get. Um, but I could see Elvis Zilkins get traded simply because he has requested a trade. We talked about this when when that happened. Um, so so there's that as well, but. Uh, yeah, in any case, he's not having a great season. Um, he has a 3.21 GAA, a save percentage of 9.04. Um, he is 9, 11, and 7, um, but he has played in 29 games, uh, to be fair, so that's like not a ton of time uh, for his credit. He did play 30 games last year. Uh, he started in 27, he went 7, 18. And two, the reason why he is a little bit intriguing was that his first year in the league in 2019 to, to 2020, he did go 13, 9, and 8 um, with a save percentage of a 9.23. Um, that was his rookie year, but it's been, you know, he's been in the league now for five years. So um, he, it does seem like with the, it seems like he was affected um, a ton by that mathless Kivalenix. Um, that happened in the offseason um, a few years ago um, and we talked about this when it when he did request the trade that the cannon that the Columbus Blue Jackets have um, after every goal must have some 
effect on him. So it does seem like there is a team that might want to take a chance on him because you never know with goalies. Um, they're kind of a crapshoot. So um, I feel like he he's if there's any goalie in the league that needs a change of scenery, it's this guy, Elvis. So I could see going. Uh, we talked about, in terms of where he would go, we talked about the Devils because um, they're in desperate need. And I feel like... Yeah, the Devils are, um, let's see here, they're six games out uh, from the Detroit Red Wings. Um, but, yeah, maybe they make that move. Speaking of the Red Wings, I feel like the Red Wings might be an option for Elvis. Um, Ryan has been bad, but they could use another goaltender because their other option with Alex uh, Lyon is uh, James Reimer, um, and that's not good. So... I feel like the Red Wings might also low-key want a, want a goalie as well. Um, I'm trying to see if there's, like, in terms of... It's hard to know what teams... Oh, I guess the LA Kings is another one. Um, if they... Because it doesn't seem like they would be a great... Um, they could be looking for a goaltender. It's interesting, too, with, like, goaltenders in particular. It's like, if you're a good team... You don't need a goalie. If you're a bad team, you desperately need a goalie. Um, but, like, there's also, like, um, so it's, like, the playoff teams that are in the playoffs probably won't try and get a goalie um, unless you're L.A. or unless you're Detroit, maybe. But I could see New Jersey being, like, wait, we have a chance. All we need is a better goaltender. Um, maybe they go out and, and try to get Elvis the only thing with that is now that I'm realizing it is that Columbus does play um, in the Metropolitan, and that's the same as the New Jersey Devils. I don't know if they necessarily care about that, but we'll see. So, regarding the LA Kings, it should be noted, by the way, any deal that involves Elvis Merz-Lincolns, you have to deal with his cap hit because... Mm -hmm. If you trade for Elvis Merce Lincolns, that's not just a contract that expires after this year. There are a couple of other years attached to it, and there's a lot of big money still to pay uh, the big man. Uh, just taking a look right now, uh, he has a 10 team no trade list in year two of a year five contract, in, in year two, excuse me, of a five year contract that pays him $5.4 million per season. So, yeah, the rest of this season, and then you have another three years of Elvis Merz-Leakins. The reason why I feel like the... I, I feel like it's a risky plan to trade Elvis, not for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but for any of the teams that are interested in a goaltending fix, is look at the pending unsigned goalies for just next season. Alex Georgiev, who has 27 wins, unrestricted free agent. UC Saros, 20 wins, one of the league's best goalies over the past three, four seasons, unrestricted free agent. Igor Shashurkin, while he probably will re-sign with the Rangers, he is still expected to become an unrestricted free agent as soon as next season. He has 20 wins this year, hmm. having an off year by his standards, but still, it's Igor Shashurkin. Uh, Jake Ottinger of the Dallas Stars is a restricted free agent, but still one of the best young goalies uh, in the game. And even Linus Olmark is going to be an unrestricted uh, free agent uh, down the line. So if, if, 
if you want to fix your goaltending problem for the long term, if you just wait a year, there could be other options yeah. that are better than Elvis Merz Lincoln's that you can just sign on the open market. So that's why I think it's a bit of a gamble to trade for Elvis Merz Lincoln's at this point in time. Uh, that being said, Elvis Merz Lincoln's, considering the Columbus Blue Jackets are a hot dumpster fire, uh, he has done whatever he can to keep this team afloat. And the fact that he has a 904 save percentage on the season is honestly remarkable. Yeah. Um, not to mention that his win-loss record also um, isn't uh, isn't the worst either. It's actually been pretty respectable when you consider that the Jackets are dead last in the Eastern Conference and have played more games than the Ottawa Senators as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely think there is a chance. I just I just feel... I just feel like both sides are better off waiting for a better deal to arrive because in order for any team to take on that contract, I don't really think his value is going to be much of anything significant. Uh, I think the Jackets are probably best to play the waiting game and then get him at full value, assuming uh, down the line he is... He's going to play better than what he is now. And he is starting to get his season back on track, to be fair. Um, So I just just think with next year's free agency market and uh, the goalies that could be up for grabs, I I just don't know why a contender would trade for Elvis Merz-Lincoln's present day. I guess that's a good point. I mean, I guess you could say that about a lot of, as I was just saying, it's like if you're in the playoffs right now, it's because you have good goaltending. Um but at the same time, oh, the Philadelphia Flyers, I guess, at that point, because of what happened with Carter Hart. Yeah, um, they they could be an interesting yeah. spot now. Yeah, now that you think about it, yeah. Um, but I think on the other hand, it's like Elvis did request a trade. Um, so so I guess may, I guess it's possible to trade him in the summer uh, when the season's over, but. It's it's also at least like, an interesting spot now yeah. that you mention it because Tortorella coached yeah. him in Columbus and he's the Flyers coach now. Oh yeah, yeah, good point. It's going to be another divisional team, but yeah, I, I let's just think of the, the Flyers. Yeah. They can do. I mean, they 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 hooked up uh, yeah. to to make the Pro Frog deal happen. Yeah. so they already have some trade history. I mean, you do have some point too that like, oh right, okay, yeah, he has a long term contract and all that stuff, but like, Jacob Markstrom is the other one that that's been thrown around, but that also seems kind of unlikely just because he has a no-movement clause. Um, it's unclear if he traded, and it's not like Jake Allen isn't as exciting. Um, so, um, so mm-hmm. it, and I guess maybe Mackenzie Blackwood or Capo Kakinen, I guess maybe, but it's like I don't think they're going to be as um, enticing as uh, someone like Elvis could be, because you know what he is capable mm-hmm. of, and it's clear he wants out. It's also clear that he needs a change of scenery, so um, so I could see it maybe maybe happening that way too. It's, um, it's just a danger if, if you're a contender yep. and you're hoping Elvis figures it out, but yeah. if he doesn't, then you have that cap hit for yep. a couple more seasons, and then what do you do? On the other hand, it's like the Kings are desperate for a goalie. Um, now that yeah, Cam they, Talbot has no, come back no to question, yeah, they are. Uh, the the New Jersey Devils are like a goalie away from from <laughs> being yep. like serious contenders. 
Uh, the Flyers, we just mentioned, it's like they're probably devastated because of what happened with Carter Hart. Only teams, and like even like the Buffalo Sabres, like, the, you know, Devin Levi, they might not want, they're starting to realize, oh, we may have rushed him. It's not like Ugo Pekalukanen um, has been great. So maybe the Buffalo Sabres try to get him. Um, so that's another option too, where like they can kind of give UPL and Devin Levi some more time uh, to develop um, on their own while they have another guy and see like, yeah, the Sabres probably aren't going to make the playoffs this year, but at least they have some someone who who might be end up being the goaltender of the future for them um, or just a stopgap uh, until th- they feel like Devin Levi is going to going to be do- so that they can develop Levi properly. Um, that's the other option that I was thinking. Um, okay. Uh, we have to get going here because we both want to watch the Super Bowl, and it's six twelve yeah. right now. So um, we have. I'll put start the rapid fire right now. Uh, Fifteen minutes here. So we're going to start right. up with um, the Oilers streak. Uh, it ends at sixteen, so they didn't get the record or even tie the record, but uh, that's unfortunate. Um, they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, because of course they did. They lost to them in the playoffs last year. Um, Eden Hill. Speaking of goaltenders, Eden Hill was incredible. Um, I I know mm-hmm. it's like it's a small sample size, and he got injured early on in the first half. But um, but it's it's kind of like an incredible journey of for Eden Hill just in general. Um, I don't want to make it like <laughs> based off of how incredible Eden Hill has been, but. Um, but yeah, he he's been really good. Um, but uh, game, uh, there was like, I watched the entire game and the third period in particular. It seemed like Oilers almost got it, and then um, Eden Hill was able to. So yeah, he was it was like um, it was mostly just like, oh right, okay, Eden Hill, that's the the playoff guy that we were we were expecting. So um, so yeah, he was pretty good. But yeah, it's an unfortunate for the Oilers, but they did end up being the Anaheim Ducks, and then they but they. Did get shut out by the LA Kings of all teams um, in the next game. So who knows what's gonna happen um, now with the Oilers? But at least it's like at least they had that and they're back in the playoff race because without that streak, they wouldn't. Um, you know, they would still be like cellar dwellers and they would be take like be like, what's going on with the Oilers? So at least like there's something where it's like, oh okay, the Oilers are probably gonna make the playoffs now. Um, Although they're not gonna, I don't expect them to have another streak in them. Yeah, that 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 would be that would be uh, quite something if um, the Edmonton Oilers went on a 16-game win streak, and it was game one of the playoffs to game four of the Cup Finals. Yep. Oh yeah. They, they just run the gauntlet and just sweep everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's possible. Yeah, 16 games. So that that, that is a good point. Yeah. The ultimate revenge. Yep, yep. Um, do you have anything else on the on this Oilers streak? Nope. Let's uh, talk about Ridley Gregg uh, yeah. uh, just buying all the free real estate he can find yeah. in Toronto. Well, I, I will say that it's it's unfortunate that like if the Oilers and the Knights do play, it's going to be in the first round. Um, yeah, so, that's a bummer. It should it should yeah. be in the second round at least conference although, finals. Although it, it is possible that the Canucks do get, um, like they do fall off. But yeah, it, it, that that part's a little bit unfortunate. Anyways, 
Uh, yeah, so uh, Steve was actually at this game, but um, mm-hmm. I I actually was attuned to this uh, because of a tweet um, th- that I thought was pretty funny, even without knowing the context of it, um, where um, it's basically, hold on, let me just pull up. Oh, I thought I had the tweet, but I don't have the tweet now. Oh, here it is. So uh, this is by um, a, actually a Canucks <laughs> beat writer. Um, Hockey is just the most fascinating blend of suck it up, be a man, and play through that broken leg. And that effort took a hard shot on our empty net. This has hurt our feelings. He must die, um, which is just pretty <laughs> funny. So uh, it's Wyatt Arndt. Um, I guess he's a, a Canucks beat writer. But, um, so I'm going to credit him. But, uh, but, yeah, I thought that was funny. So what happened? Uh, the, uh, it was a very chippy game. Um, there was a missed call from the, the refs didn't call from Toronto's side, but Ottawa ended up winning, uh, the game and so much so that there was an empty netter where Ridley Grieg, he is right next to the net. He takes a slap shot to the goal. Um, and then immediately after Morgan Riley, uh, cross checks him to the face, uh, Morgan Riley, uh, is uh, he is uh, expected to have an in-person hearing from the uh, NHLPA uh, or the you know the, the Department of Safety. So, Department of Player Safety. So he's at least yeah. getting suspended. Um, that's what it means. Um, but what's what's interesting is it's like when I watched this and I was just like, and you told me this, and I like or watched the video, I was just like. This is exactly what Brad Marchand would do, <laughs> like with so. Yeah. Um, and it's also oddly like, enough, his yeah. draft day comparable is Brad Marchand. So yeah. our, our uh, life imitates art, right? Yeah. So so it's like I feel like I would be a hypocrite to say that like Ridley Grieg is a uh, like you know he shouldn't be doing that, but I will say that what was fascinating was when I watched that clip, you could see Ridley Grieg's face right after like right before morgan riley cross checks him and you could see like grieg become so nice that morgan Riley just like grieg knew what he was doing like if if he, he like that's like a brad marchand move but even brad marchand knows that he's like instigating the maple leaves with with doing that so it is a little bit of a cocky move I can say this as a fan of a team that's a division rivals to both those guys, those teams. It's just like, so I'm I'm coming from an unbiased person, uh, unbiased take here. It's that Ridley Grieg, yeah, he's you know he kind of he was a little bit arrogant and whatnot, but um, there's that. But then at the same time, so he's like he's expecting that, but then <laughs> at the same time, it's like. Morgan Riley did even more of an absurd thing to even get mad about it. Um, it reminded me back when uh, the Blue Jays, the playoff game, when Jose Batista threw the f- uh, flipped the bat um, when he had an yeah. obvious home run, and then the Texas Rangers players got really upset about it. Um, it's very reminiscent of that, which is funny because uh, apparently I was reading all these leagues, league stats that people have been mentioning this. And Leafs fans are saying like, well, no, that's different. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> so it's like they just become, these Leafs fans have become very hypocritical um, about it. So um, I find this very fascinating that anything that can upset the Leafs, I'm I'm happy about. So um, 
So there's that. So they love you. Um, but now it's like this division now has Brad Marchand, Ridley Grieg, uh, Matthew K- uh, Kachuk, Brady Kachuk. Um, it's just a ton of pests in this in this division. So it's, it's uh, Nick Cousins, Sam Nick Cousins, Bennett, Trent Frederick. Trent Frederick, yeah, I was about to mention him too. So it's like there's a ton of uh, Brendan Gallagher. So it's like there's a ton of players in uh, the Atlantic Division, and a few of them are on our team. So um, there's that. But um, but yeah, in any case, uh, you were there. So uh, what what's your take? Oh, yeah, I had the best overhead view of the entire play. Um, oddly enough, the first two periods, nothing was called. The yeah. refs were just letting the players play. And then there was this call on Nylander for tripping that uh, Sheldon Keefe was very animated on the bench reacting to. Felt like Stutzla dove, and Tim Stutzla has gained a reputation in other markets for quote-unquote diving. Um, maybe they do have a point at times, but I don't agree with every single claim those other markets have made, but that's beside the point. There was also another penalty that the Leafs didn't like that was uh, called on Simone Benoit, and then a similar play against Ottawa that probably should have been called uh, minutes after that play happened. It wasn't called by the refs, so they are already mad at the refs. They are already mad that they were losing. Um, they were almost up to nothing, but a coach's mm-hmm. challenge by Ottawa for offside uh, negated that Max Domi goal, and then Ottawa started uh, to to get their feet underneath them and then they battle back and then they take the lead and they have a 4-2 lead after two. Uh, it was another night of Leaf underperformances where you walk into a barn against a team that you should beat uh, in your sleep with your hands tied behind yep. your back and, and you let two points slip away. They did it with Chicago and both their games. Uh, they did horrible in the season series against Columbus. They almost got goalie by Lucas Dostal and the Anaheim Ducks, and they lose the season series against the Ottawa Senators. They lose three or four games. Again, a team in the standings that they should have beaten, but they did. And then really Greg does that to them. And I can a hundred percent um I, I can hundred percent agree why they're frustrated. If uh if the shoe was on the other foot, um, then I'm sure the Sens players would have reacted the exact same fashion. And our fan base would be just as grumpy and they would be pointing at the Leafs and saying, you monsters, what? That's disgraceful. That has no place in the game. And you know what? Ridley Gregg, he broke a unwritten rule. He broke the quote unquote code. But you know what Morgan Riley did? He did a very stupid thing that is suspendable in the NHL rule book. Does not fly. Everyone knows it doesn't fly. And now that in-person hearing means he could be suspended for six-plus games, which is notable because if you look at the Leafs' schedule, here's how it looks entering the trade deadline. St. Louis, Philly, Anaheim, not too bad yet. St. Louis again, Arizona. Then it gets spicy because then they get Vegas. Then they get Colorado. Then they get Vegas again. Then they get Arizona again. Then they get the Rangers. Then they get the Bruins. And they get Buffalo, and then they get the Bruins again, and then they have the trade deadline. Morgan Riley is out for an extended period of time when you consider their injuries to their blue line as as it currently stands today. TJ Brody's been inconsistent. Mark Giordano's been inconsistent. Jake McCabe's been inconsistent. Morgan Riley has been their rock all year on defense. If they lose him for six-plus games, just take the suspension because 
you need Morgan Riley for those Vegas games, for the Colorado game, for those Bruins games. All of those are monster tests for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they need Morgan Riley in every single one of those games. Yeah. And it all could have been avoided if he decided not to go after Ridley Gray. I get that after so many chances of, you know, the Leafs needing to make a statement, but they don't, and now the fan base is calling them soft. Right. Okay, they're not soft. They took they they stood up for each other. In my opinion, it was a bad spot to to do that, and they might pay the price for it big time. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even with Morgan, even if Morgan Riley's not get, getting suspended there, that is still a tough schedule. So. He will get suspended. Yeah. In person hearing. No, is, no, I know, I know, uh, I know that. But like, my my point being that like in a different world, if Morgan yeah. Riley wasn't getting suspended, that is a tough schedule. So, um, yeah, there's that. Uh, Sergachev out indefinitely. Um, it seemed like it was an intention, unintentional move by uh, Lafreniere. Um, it's kind of sucks just to see that because you never want to see a guy get injured, especially with Sergachev because he was just coming back from injury. Um, so yeah, that was literally his first game yeah. back. So speaking of defensemen, I feel like uh, we didn't really talk about this, but Tampa Bay might be in the mood for uh, Noah Anafin as well. Um, yeah, underwent surgery yeah. Uh, to repair. Uh, broken tibula yep. and uh and fibula which yep. uh they they sound as bad as the injury mm -hmm. itself i don't speak from experience but i know people who have uh suffered uh, fibula injuries and uh the recovery is yep. pretty painful so um wishing uh Sergeyev all the best there it's yep. gonna be a long uh, long road back um i do want to skip over to this sam reinhardt uh fact but i do want to mention the bean pots tomorrow uh, unfortunately, like BU and BC, they played in the quarterfinals, so that's not going to be the final. It's going to be BU. <laughs> uh, they did play BU and BC played um, on Monday, but they're going to play again. Um, I would assume in the playoffs, but they played they played like la the weekend before that too. Um, it's the first time that both BU and BC were top the two top ranked teams, and they um, they played each other, but. Uh, but yeah, in any case, you'll get to see Macklin Celebrini play the Northeastern Huskies um, uh, tomorrow um, or today when you're, you're hearing this. And lastly, uh, Chicago Blackhawks are hosting yet again the uh, Winter Classic again. The St. Louis Blues are the uh, opponent. It's going to be at Wrigley Field again. Um, I'm more, I'm like, I can see the appeal of watching Connor Bedard. I just wish they picked a better. Uh, opponent so uh there's that um they should host uh, one in arizona because yeah. at least there are facilities in arizona that are outdoors and yeah. can house more than ten thousand people okay so now uh yeah that's a, that's a fair point uh but now uh there's um so i saw this stat uh last night um about sam reinhardt he has 22 power play goals he leads the league there by like quite a margin right now um yeah and I saw the stat that he has more power play goals than six other teams. Um, however, I just looked this up uh, just before we recorded, and I found that uh, um, a few of these teams have now, I mean, they probably had a game since that uh, that was posted. So they now have 22 goals, uh, power play goals now. Um, so they, they are, so even still, that's pretty impressive that six, Six teams have, um, I'll just get through this. Uh, they have six 
Um, the six teams have 22 power play goals or less um, than, um, than Sam Reinhardt, who has 22 goal, power play goals right now. Can you guess the six, uh, six teams that, um, that those are? Well, I'm going to guess the teams that have struggled to score goals. So yep. Chicago Blackhawks. Yep, that's one. They're the worst. San, uh, San Jose Sharks. Uh, yep, they're the 29th here. Columbus Blue Jackets. Yep, they have 22. So they're one of the teams that tied Sam Reinhardt. I'm pretty convinced this team's on there, the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, I was shocked too, but they have 23 power play goals. Oh, just missed the cut. All right. Um, I know Ottawa's power play is bad, but it can't be that bad, but nope. I'll guess them. Nope, they're 22nd. Thank God. Um, Montreal? Nope, um, I don't see Montreal. I think they're, they're actually pretty good in power plays. Mm. Yeah, they're... they're um, where is Montreal? Oh, they're 18th. Uh, Washington Capitals. Yep, that's one. You're missing two more. Two more, okay. Hmm. Who else has been trashed this year and can't buy a goal? Hmm. Nashville Predators? Uh, uh, no, but I'll just tell you. The Buffalo yeah, Sabres okay. and the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, okay, Philly yeah. isn't that surprising. Buffalo is very surprising. Yep. I was surprised that you got four of the six. I thought you would get like I knew you <laughs> would be tricked by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, <laughs> I thought that would be. Your I was first convinced game. I had that one. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, because I because I thought the same thing. I was like, I wonder if it's Pittsburgh Penguins. And then when I saw that it wasn't the Pittsburgh Penguins, I was like, wait a second. Okay, this is a perfect trivia question for Steve. So because I knew you would you would mention them. The fact that it's that close, however, to yeah. Sam Reinhardt's individual stats oh, yeah, yeah. is also pretty alarming because that power play is Eric Carlson yeah. on it. I don't I feel like he's playing this well because of a contract year and he, and that and then once he gets paid heavily, he's going to stop doing this. <laughs> so which is why I yeah. said Jake Ensel to Florida potentially yeah. at some point within the next But I months. I just know that some team if it's the if it's not the Panthers, I know that some team is going to be fooled by it. So um we'll see. Um although yeah. I hope it continues cuz I have him in a league. Yeah. Um we'll I'd see. like to see it continue. Yeah. I'd like that. Yeah, it'd be it would be interesting. Um in any case, uh the Super Bowl's about to start. Um we, you can follow us on Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcast. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Lays of Podcast. And yeah, Facebook at Lays of Up. Um, oh, that's about it. I'm Brett Tubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll chat again on a milestone episode 400 of Lays of Up Podcast. Wow. Uh, go Niners. <laughs>